Hello and welcome to Demo Tapes, the music podcast that hits rewind on the bands and scenes we loved. I am Sarah Jane Kemp and this my co-host is Rick Martin. How are you doing Rick? Yeah good thanks, hello everyone. How are you Sarah? I'm really well today thank you. It's Friday, it's uh, lunchtime, I'm about to eat some delicious food, it's the weekend coming up, loads of good stuff planned. How about you? Yeah I'm sick of every episode we open now you talking about food and it being nearly lunchtime but I suppose if you have a food blogger as your co-presenter then that, that is the trap that you fall into isn't what it? What do you expect? I'm literally thinking about my next meal at all times but anyway enough of that Um, we are talking today about music um, and specifically we are going to present you an interview that I did last night with Phil the lead singer from the twang yeah really interested to hear this and uh, yeah I I guess I want to make clear at this point that we're not trying to cover every single Midlands or Northern lad rock band from the noughties this is just kind of how it's how it's kind of how it's kind of fallen, I guess, release schedules and tour schedules and that sort of thing. But all people that we're really interested in speaking to, and I think are proving really interesting int- interview subjects. How do, what do you think? They've been really good. Yeah, as, as we said, you know, at the beginning of this series when we were planning for season two, <laughs> season two, series two, whatever you want to say, um, I think we were talking about you know we were going to do a bit of a theme of can music be factually good? And actually, it's kind of developed every kind of week. It seems to be developing, and the more people we talk to, the more ideas we get. Um, and it has just fallen into place that we've been able to speak to three really really good bands that both of us know quite well from 10 years ago and when we started off this podcast that was always the original plan right to talk about scenes that we'd been a part of at the same time but not together yeah exactly. so yeah I, I, I'm really enjoying it I, and I thoroughly enjoyed the interview I did last night but we'll go into that in a bit more detail later yeah, I guess on that note, it'd be good to talk about some of the reaction to the Tom Clark episode we did um, last week. And if you haven't heard that, do go back in the archive and uh, listen to it. Because I think uh, we've been we've been pretty taken aback by the response we've had um, from, from his fans and kind of from general listeners, I guess. Yeah, I mean, on Twitter it's been going crazy. And I didn't, I didn't personally didn't realise that bands like that, so bands like The Enemy and Reverend and the Makers, and I'm sure The Twang as well, they've, they've still got a huge fan base despite not really having been doing an awful lot on the kind of on the surface for quite a long time so it's really interesting to see that that they've still got such an engaged fan base and yeah we've had some good tweets coming through I'm enjoying it keep them coming it's a a common theme with the interviews I think there's almost this line that the fans are speaking louder than the critics these days and that these bands are kind of cultivating a following I think what's particularly interesting about Tom is I mean he's been away for a while the enemy split a few years ago and he's been doing odd bits of um of kind of solo work and he's working on that that new solo album that he talked about and I think I almost think that maybe the reaction to things like this is reminding these artists uh, that the fan base is there and almost I'm not saying we're encouraging the bands to go on but it's it's a nice reminder I guess that people are so really interested in what they've got to say. Definitely and I think this podcast is giving those bands and, and people in that industry a bit of a platform to talk about things that they might not have talked about before. Um, and in a kind of real way that gets their personality across rather than you know a journalist might go and, and write a story in the way that they want to write it for the publication that they're writing for whereas I think this gives the direct um, you know that gives them the direct opportunity to talk to their fans and, and I think the fans are really responding well to that as well that the, that format so all really positive I'm really happy but um so I guess we do start off the podcast normally we're talking about a bit of music news and I know you've 
wanting to talk about Carl Barrett, right? Well, I think first of all, I think we need we definitely need a bit of a jingle for this, like a boo 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 kind of music news bit. Because we yeah, should actually, yeah, we, we, should, should. we should we should create one. We should create the a jingle idea right we have, there. We have a spare minute, but uh, yeah, um, I, I do. You know, I guess because I used to be a, a music journalist, but specifically a music news journalist, I still got my eye on on what's going on. And yeah, I, th- this jumped out to me this week as an interesting story that. Uh, Carl Barat uh, of the Libertines and Dirty Pretty Things fame, um, currently setting up a hotel in Margate that I'm definitely going to go and visit because it's about an hour's drive. From we, are gonna go we are going to go and visit. We've talked about this. We're going to go and visit and do an episode from from the Margate Hotel. But that's not what I want to talk about. He's actually set up a new band, and I'd seen this a, a, sort of six months ago that he put an ad out for a male bassist, a male guitarist, a male drummer, and a front woman to take part in a new project, like he's sort of becoming sort of the Simon Cowell of uh, the indie world. And I wish I'd have known about this, by the way, because I would have definitely put myself forward. I don't know if it's been filled. The position of a front woman has been filled. If not, oh, let, me, let me try. Well, I've, I've got no musical talent, so I couldn't have gone for any of this. But yeah, apparently the band has been put together. It's been managed by him and his sister, uh, Lucy, and they're called The Heartless. Um, and what I thought was the most interesting bit of, of the kind of uh, the release that they put out about this earlier this week is they're aiming to bring the most influential aspects of the noughties indie scene to the forefront of musical discussion. I mean, is is this the first kind of incident of a band saying they're influenced by the noughties? You know, you get bands that come out and say we're influenced by the 70s or the 80s or the 60s. I mean, is the noughties now becoming a kind of touch point for bands, I wonder? Well, it's long, it's long enough ago, isn't it, to to, to allow people to do that, so probably. I mean, it's it was, making me feel it was, old. It, it's making me feel a bit old as well, I won't lie, but it is, it is. is. Um, it was a great scene, the, the word scene, but it was a great time in music, I think, um, so one, should th- one that should definitely be celebrated. I think it's one of those things where you don't realise at the time quite how good the scene is until you get 10 years away. I think Britpop was this way. You know, Britpop is looked back as this kind of celebratory scene, but I don't think the people who were there at the time, it's only when they look back now, and that's why you get all these documentaries talking about the 25th anniversary of of Definitely Maybe and things like that. I don't think necessarily at the time that the people involved are aware of kind of the historical relevance, and maybe that's what's happening with the bands of the mid-noughties. You know, we're not, not talking necessarily about the Arctic Monkeys and those kind of world-level bands, but, you know, your enemies, your Ever and the Makers, your Twangs, bands like that, that maybe that's what is propelling them along, as we said, you know, that there is that nostalgia. Because now, I mean, I'm not saying the guitar scene is dead. I listen to new guitar bands every day, but it doesn't feel as prominent on the kind of national consciousness as it used to. No, it doesn't. But I do think, you know, I think I mentioned this in a couple of episodes ago, I think that it is coming back. It, you know, you're getting bands that uh, like Mystery Jets um, who have come back and they're getting airplay on Radio 1 in, in the daytime, which is, mm. to me, kind of signals that it, it might be coming back a little bit. I mean, they're, they're a great band, though. I mean, we, we could probably... I want to do a whole episode on the Mystery Jets at some point. I think I do think they delayed the release of their album because their singer hasn't been well, so it's one of those right. things where we probably wouldn't pitch for an interview now, but when, when they're kind of back up and running, I'd love to pitch for an interview with Mystery Jets. I did... I think I interviewed Kai, the bassist, a few times back in the day, but, yeah, love that band. We'd love to get them on, so watch this space. And there's another album um, from a band um, that you really liked, isn't there? You were talking to me about it the other day. I haven't actually listened to it yet, I'll have to admit. Yeah, so it's obviously Foles have been doing um, kind of a two-part album. They did a part one earlier this year, and then the part two has come out this week. And I've always had a, a weird relationship with Foles. They were always around when I was kind of on Enemy. I uh, I did meet the singer once, and uh, it wasn't the, the kind of most enjoyable of meetings. It wasn't through any kind of interview or that. It was randomly in a bar in Nottingham where I was, and um, I, di- I didn't come away with the best impression, perhaps. 
But, um, you know, musically, I think, you know, they're one of those bands that have really kind of stepped up. You think of bands over the last 10 years that have stepped up to kind of festival headliner status. They, they are now kind of heading into that, you know, pantheon of, of, of kind of bigger bigger acts, if you know, and bigger bands. And, yeah, this the second part of their kind of two-album um, series came out this week. And I really can't decide if I like it. This is the struggle I've got. But what I have realised is that... I really like albums that have those intro tracks that are about a minute long that are kind of the atmosphere builders. Okay. So they've got that track, The Runner, like their new single, which when I first heard it just sounded to me like kind of fairly generic muscular rock. But then when you hear it with an intro track leading into it, it makes a lot more sense. I remember actually in my head going, oh, I get it now. I get what you're doing. I do like this because you've kind of built it with with something else. So you do like it or you don't like it? I definitely, sure? like, I definitely like the first two tracks. Maybe it's a bit like, you know... It's like grower. I'll tell you what I'd compare it to. Maybe it's why, the reason why people put decking in their gardens because maybe you don't like okay. your garden <laughs> as it is, but you put some decking in it and then the rest of the garden makes sense. <laughs> so that the open track is like the decking. I can't say I've ever... I don't even own... I don't own a flat. I don't own a house. So I, I can't really understand that one, Rick. I'm sorry. I've never had a garden to put decking in. I've Maybe one day when I get a garden, I'll put, you've put decking in your garden, haven't you? I've got a very small garden that I feel needs something like decking putting into it. Oh, I thought it, so you had put decking the, into it. No, I'm thinking about doing it. But anyway, this, Maybe this is, that's why that's on the brain. Maybe just do the decking and then and then you can come back and tell me if that's the right analogy. So, th- so this has all gone a bit Nick Knowles um, and DIY SOS, so let's bring it back into kind of the musical side of things. And yeah, you had... You had quite an interesting night last night, didn't you? Obviously, you interviewed Phil from The Twang, but you also met another celebrity. I did. Well, celebrity, yeah. Well, I guess you could call him a celebrity. Um, yeah, I went to... I obviously went to Islington Academy to, to interview Phil and then afterwards popped into Shoreditch to meet my boyfriend. And we bumped into Jordan Stevens from Rizzle Kicks, um, who I really liked back in the day. And actually, just thinking about it, they were around when I was at um, a PR agency. Gosh, eight years ago ten years ago or something like that, I think so that was it that long ago it was that long ago time is going quite quickly um I, I don't know i'll have to find out the actual date but i do remember um that they were around when i was at that agency because i feel like they might have looked after them or something anyway um and uh yes yeah, so i got chatting to him um and he has actually got I, which i didn't realize actually he fronted a campaign last year talking about mental health called i am whole um and one of his tracks uh whole was used as part of an nhs and ymca campaign surrounding mental health issues and it's all about toxic masculinity and looking at how he's kind of struggled with his own mental health in the past um and how he'd used drink and drugs to combat that and how he i, I don't think he drinks or takes any i don't think he does anything anymore i think it's kind of very clean to him up and he's he's obviously um, kind of works kind of really hard and, and he's a lot happier now uh, as a result um, but he was talking I don't know if he he was telling me about a project that he's got going on related to mental health I don't really know if it's public knowledge or not so I'm not going to talk about it but um, it's really you know it's it's being talked about quite a lot in the music industry now so and also you'll hear from the interview we did I did talk about it a little bit with Phil um, and it's I know you talked about it with Tom and, and um, uh, John from the Reverend and the Makers so it's yeah it's and I'm I really think it's very very good that it's being talked about but yeah so we bumped into him and it was just a bit of a weird night actually you know when you just have those nights and, and, and you know you meet loads of people and it was all a bit I kind of went home feeling a bit brain fried actually and it took me quite a long time to get to sleep because everything was kind of whirring in my mind um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one day we could get him on the podcast because I think he'd be a really good guest to get on. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I love Down With The Trumpets. How can you not love... Well, that song was going through my head when yeah. I was trying to get to sleep, which is which was slightly annoying. But I, I do love that song. But Was yeah. the song going through your head as you were trying to talk to him? I mean, literally every time you're about to say something, <laughs> Down With The Trumpets. No, down luck- With The Trumpets. L- luckily, luckily, it wasn't. Um, he was... Do you know what? He was a really lovely... Uh, he's a very charismatic guy, so he was very engaging. I mean, you know, there were loads of people around. It's actually um, his LP launch, which sadly we missed when we... Uh, we got our timings wrong but um we uh, there, there were loads of other people there t- talking to him so it was kind of like a dip in and out um but f- from from the small amount i did get to talk to him he was really lovely and engaging so so i've just checked and yeah their debut album did come out in 2011 so it yeah, was eight years go. ago i doubted you but i can't believe it's been eight years since their debut album came out they feel like they were out two or three years ago it's crazy isn't it how fast time's going yeah i do remember because i was working at that pr agency at the time so yeah, early, earlier in the evening, obviously you went to do your your interview with Phil, and we want to play that out for for listeners shortly. But do you want to just uh, set the scene for us a little bit? I do, yeah. So um, do you know what? I'm kicking myself because all I walked from uh, work to the Islington Academy in the evening, and all the way there, I was thinking, right, I'm going to do a bit of a teaser on the Instagram stories, and I'm going to film it going in, and all this kind of stuff. Of course, when I got there, I completely forgot to do all of this. Didn't even get as, as much as a photo. So I'm sorry about that. That's a lesson for next time. I probably need to write that on the list of things to do when I'm getting the piece of paper out of my bag. Um, but met, yeah, met Phil um, in the uh, backstage at the Islington Academy. Um, and we were in one of the dressing rooms, kind of sat down, um, got me a beer, got himself a beer. Um, got a, I had a bottle of Bex. He had a can of Carling. Um, and we sat down and Product placement. What, what we'll, we, we'll take some freebies if either Carling <laughs> or Bex are listening. Yeah, definitely. Um, they were, they're both delicious beverages. Um, very crisp and lovely for a Thursday evening. Um, <laughs> now, now you're really selling it. <laughs> I'm really selling it. It was lummy. Lummy? Yummy. Lovely yummy. Um, but yeah, sat down and actually realised, you know, as it's, as this is a podcast sounds get picked up so I was really conscious of the fact that we were both sitting on leather sofas so in the interview you'll hear us both moving around a little bit you know I was trying not to move so much but I think it adds to it as well and you can hear there was a time kind of in the interview I think Phil pulled the the ring cup off his um off his beer and started tapping on the table and I was thinking I could say don't do that but actually I do think it adds to the interview and it and uh, you might hear a bit of tinkling around but you know that's that's what that is um but he was such a lovely guy um and really i think i said it in the interview and i don't know if he he, he liked the word but i I thought he was pretty humble and um just you know what i found quite interesting and i know you do as well rick is the fact that he he doesn't talk anyone or anything or any band down really in the industry and i think that's that's a really good thing to to have done so yeah shall we crack into listening to it yeah let's get into it i hope you enjoy listening everybody so I am here today at the Islington Academy in London's Angel with Phil Etheridge, the lead singer of The Twang. So how are you doing, Phil? I'm very well. I'm good, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. Thank it's you. Really Thank exciting. you. I, last time I was here, actually, I was just thinking about it on the way and I was um, here to watch the Antarctic Monkeys, who are a, co- okay. <laughs> a covers band of the Arctic okay. Monkeys, after seeing them at Snowbombing Festival that year and uh, saw they were playing here. It was sold out. I don't know if you've seen them, but they were... Brilliant. I've I've seen the uh, I've seen the posters around. I've seen the posters. I've never watched. I've not really one for uh, 
watching a cover band to be honest but I love the monkeys yeah well you know? I'm not either um, I'm really not but they were just they were, they, you know, they, they get you going so it's good but anyway we're not going to talk we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about you and the twang um, so you know you've just celebrated 15 years in the music industry um, that is pretty amazing you've just you're about to release your fifth album um, If Confronted Just Go Mad um, next month in November I think it's the 8th right if I'm, if I'm yeah it is Friday the 8th yeah um, but I'll go on and I want to go into a bit more detail on that later. But um, first of all, did you ever see yourself being here 15 years after you started? Well, we the dream was to just not get a proper job, you know. It's actually like about 12. We got signed in 2006. So I feel, I feel really fortunate because a lot of bands, you know, I look at my CD collection. It's a thing of the past, and it's CD. But, um, you know, some of my favourite bands only made one or two records, you know, and we've... And we've managed to make it to five, so I'm really proud of what we've achieved, you know, because I think, you know, a lot of people wrote us off quite early on because, you know, the hype had gone so nuts on the first record that, you know, I don't think they thought we'd survive, but... Well, when you say they, The Guardian certainly didn't, so they stated it would be a miracle if you made a third album. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I mean, The Guardian was well on board, you know, I remember, I remember... uh, because my dad reads The Guardian, and uh, I remember the little magazine, what's it called, the little magazine that comes oh, with The, the Guardian? Oh, The Review, I think it yeah, is, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I remember they're getting a review of Wide Awake, our first single in that, and being like over the moon, and they really bigged it up, you know. Um, they eventually turned, but yeah, they was, they, was, they, they was behind us to start with. As were The Enemy, but we'll delve into that a bit more a bit later, but... Um, because we've, I don't know if you've listened to the last one, I think, I know you've done, you know, we've listened to John from Revenue the Makers, and we just... Um, I have listened to uh, Tom's one. Yeah, Tom, yeah. yeah, so we've had yeah. both of them, so we're seeing a bit of a golden indie era of the noughties, a bit of a revival of that. Um, you know, both of those those guys have been busy in their own way, so Tom's kind of releasing his own stuff, and John was talking about amazing AI and music, which I'm really interested in hearing, but um, do you think that, um, do you think that the fans are speaking a bit louder than the critics these days, or, you know, the changing landscape of the music industry and the, the music press being replaced by social media and you know bands are getting a better following probably what do you I, think I, I, I'm not sure about that but what I do feel is bands like The Rev who I didn't I only got to know John in the last couple of years and uh, he's such a lovely lad he's really he's really sound and right up until then we'd never kind of, we'd never really you know we'd never our paths had not really ever crossed you know um but what I do think with bands like his and and ourselves is that we still sell the tickets, you know, and that's what it comes. That's you know, we, we're not getting no radio play, um, and I'm not moaning because it's just how it is. But we don't get on the radio, we don't really get that much press. But yet we can still do, you know, main academies in our hometowns and stuff, and you know, still come to London and play. You know, the last time we was in London, it was at Kentish Town Forum, and you know, I think. That speaks, that's the fans speaking, isn't it? That they come and, you know, and see you live and have a good night. And yeah. whether there's a revival of, you know, this golden era, of, I, I think, you know, I don't really care. Well, I think, it, but I think it's great that you still, that bands are still going from that era because I think there's, there's a lot that aren't. But I think, you know, the, the fans, the fan base is really strong. We've seen it on social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. Um, the kind of feedback we've had from the shows that we've been putting out is we've, we've been quite surprised by it, to be honest, that all of these fans are really still strong and just still, like, massively love the music and love the band. I think people want to go out and have a good time. They want, they want you know, if you write 
it is. It, I mean, it's where it's where it gets like hard. But you, you've got to write. You've got to have some big songs, haven't you? And if you write a big song, you end up doing well. It does. It, you know, it does boil down to that. You know, like a song like Either Way, for us, like changed changed my life. You know, it wasn't. You, you could almost put it down to that one song. You know, now we feel that we had. You know, Wide Awake and Two Lovers and everything, and that's why the the hype was there and the labels were interested but it does boil down to one song you can't really moan because you, you've got to just keep writing them tracks because once you've got if you do write a big song it, it, it it's it's unignorable you know people yeah. people do get on board because we, a, good, a good song's a good, a good song, song is a good song well you did yeah. have a good you know you signed to be unique records in 2007 then you quickly got an enemy cover and you did win the philip paul radar award right we did, yeah, which we was did. pretty amazing considering it probably happened in like a short space of time um but then what what kind of happened like in Birmingham you know you'd come what well, you just touched on that a bit earlier is that you didn't really want to have a proper job um, that, that's, so that's didn't you work in an HP source factory that was the other singer Saunders he right, did okay. he used to screw the bottles the bottles on the top of uh, on the brand wow. source but so going from that to what did you do I was I was doing? working with volunteers at the time I was right. like it was it was it was called local leagues it was a uh, it was football coaching but I I was working with students and getting them to go into schools, doing, um, you know, uh, football coaching. Right. You know, after school hours. And we'd put them through their FA Level 1. and It was good. I'd managed to wing, uh, through a friend of my wife, I'd managed to wing this quite all right job, you know. That sounds like a nice rewarding it, job. Well, it well. was, it was good. And I was, I was in Birmingham Uni loads and working with loads of students. It was, it was, it was, um, it was good. And when it all kicked off, you know, and I said to them, I'm going to leave because I think I've got a record deal. Well, I did have a record deal. You know, in the pipeline, they, they, was, they was pretty shocked. Were they shocked in a good way or bad way? Because <laughs> I, I was going to say, what was the reaction to our people in Birmingham? To, to Was it kind of easy to deal with? We recognised on the street, all that kind of stuff. We, we, I mean, it went pretty mad for us. You know, it did go pretty mad. But I think every time... And I try not, I try not to be negative, but you know, we're just having a chat. But every time something's going great, I do kind of expect it to go tits up a bit, you know. And uh, it did. You mentioned that Philip Hall Award. I remember we we'd been told that we'd got that before, which I'd rather not have known, you yeah, know. That's a bit so weird. then, as soon as we walked up on stage, within my dad didn't know we'd won it, and he was watching it because it was live on Channel Four. And within two words, I'd said cunt. And he was like, <laughs> so the next day, when I get home, he was like, fucking hell. He goes, me and your mum, we were so happy. We were like, you know, it was, and then you, and then you said that. And then you ruined it. And he was like, he was, he was fucking distraught. Because at the football, yes. when anyone says that, he's like, oh my God, what are you? And, uh, but I in a way, our whole career is, is uh, for want of a better word, is, um, you know, when things are going great, we always just fuck it up somehow, a little bit. You know, that's kind of just how it is. You know, we we do a great show and then and then get banned from the festival, or we do whatever. And it, this is back then. It was just, you know, it, it was just the time. It was just how it was at the time. You know, the manager, you do something great, and then the next day the manager would be phoning you, what the fuck were you doing afterwards? You know, why didn't you just yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. We've learned since. We just, we're in and out now, you know. So do you think you've matured over time then? Oh, well, I don't, well, I don't want to use the word mature. I mean, I am, I'm, you know, my dad is three, and 
you know, I've got a beautiful wife and I don't want to fuck things up on that front. So I've definitely, we definitely like calmed down, but only because naturally you just do, you can't carry on being, you know, running around like, Really. <laughs> like, a, like a young, like a young lad who's you, just won a, one of the best awards in the country. You just, you just can't. But the thing is, like, we were, you know, we were given a shitload of money and, you know, put on a tour bus with a free bar for a year. So it was, it was gonna, it was always gonna, there was always gonna be drama. Yeah. Well, when you and say drama, was. can you tell me any stories? Well, I mean, there, there was always just. There was always, as I said, there was always, it's always, it's just to do with being drunk and, and having fun. I did feel it was my duty to have a little bit of a play-up, you know. I wanted to, like, not that we faked the play-up by any stretch of the imagination, but I did feel it was my duty, you know. We've got, given this money, we're in this position, let's have a laugh, you know. And make let's, the most of it. Let's enjoy it. But with that, obviously, you make some bad decisions, you know, and... Um, we had a lot of people patting us on the back, telling us we were great and that everything was going to be, you know, rosy. So, you know, you can take your eye off the things that really matter, then, you know. So, so what? How did it feel then? Because the the music press did really big you up, and then all of a sudden, you know, you were an enemy reader. I'm sure. Um, every every Wednesday, it marked, every it, everyone was yeah. It marked my week. Now yeah. Bin Day does, but yeah. <laughs> Not Bin Day does a bit of a change. Yeah. Um, but you know, how did it feel then when you were built up and up and up, and you know, your debut album went top three, you achieved gold sales, then all of a sudden. You know, the number you had a second album only broke top twenty, and you all all of a sudden having these conversations with people that were slightly more negative. And did you think that you'd kind of lost it all after that second album? No, no, no because if you'd have told me before we were signed that you're going to have a top twenty record, I'd have, I'd have jumped at that. You know, back at, back in the day, bands that, you know, I used to like just scrape into the top forty. You know, and so to get a top, but we we were dropped. Before the record had come out, you know, really, it, you know, to a degree. But on the day of, on the yeah, well, on the day of mastering it, we got really drunk, like celebrating, and our bass player hit our label boss in the face with like a gammon steak off his plate, just fucking around, and it was like we were dropped there and then. So we literally just mastered it, and I remember we sat down in this pub after we'd been in. Um, with Metropolis, with John Davies, uh, you know, and it should be a time of celebration, but they, they brought the drinks out and John like, literally just poured his pint over his dinner, like, and I was thinking, what the fuck is that all about? And then next thing you know, this gammon steak covered in beer is like on our label bus's like face, basically. And he, he was like, we were, we were dropped there and then. So, so, he, so when I say like every time things are going well, it was like, you know, and the next day, that phone call the next day after the manager was like, you're fucked, you know, you're like you, you dropped. And it was like, it should have been a time of like celebration because we'd made this record that we were really happy with, Jewelry Quarter. And uh, it was, you know, it was tinged. But that was, that was regular, that was every morning, you know, you do these festivals and it was like beautiful, like, you know, crowd going nuts and, and then, you know, you'd stay around too long and you'd piss someone off and it would be... Because the truth of it is, when it actually happens, they shit it. Do you know? When you get this group of lads that are like, you know, and and that whole laddie thing really annoys me, but, you know, but you get this... You, when you fill them with drink and whatever, things are happening, you know, and it's... 
And when it does actually happen, your managers are like, oh, fucking hell, do you know what I mean? But surely then, they've got, I mean, it must be a really hard job for a manager to, to you know, manage, <laughs> manage people. The thing is, who are them stories, situation. they live off the next, for the next few months, you yeah. know, when they're telling everyone how crazy you are and they're cool, you know, how wicked it is. And, and our managers were cool, man. They managed editors, you know, as well. But I think with editors, they had this band that played the game properly, you know. And with us, they had a band that was fucking just... They were definitely more squeaky clean, just right? Just <laughs> a little bit out of control, you know. And, and, and having fun, we were really enjoying ourselves, you know. But you learn from things like that. So I don't think uh, anyone's going to be throwing gammon at anyone ever, any, it anytime soon. I mean, yeah, you le- we've learned. We've, well, we've learned now that when we play a show, we're kind of in and out and we don't hang around and we don't want to burn any bridges because, you know, it just... It, it just happens. It's it just it just it. seems to follow us around. Talking about um, talking about kind of bad behaviour, um, I wanted to talk about well your your drummer Matty Clinton sacked after apparently so this is what I've read stealing ten thousand pounds of equipment. Is is that the it truth? It was more. It was more. It was more, more than that. Yeah. Oh, no I way. mean, you know, I didn't really like talking about it at the time, but we were moving room. We was moving studios, but in the same building. But was moving from a smaller room into a to quite a big unit, and we had two of everything. We'd we'd, we'd been spoilt. We'd been you know keep going on about that. We'd been given lots of money, but we had so we bought like two of every amp and two you know we had two rigs for when we was in Europe or whatever. And as it happens, we didn't do that much in Europe, but we we had two rigs basically, and uh, he 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 robbed our second rig, and it, it was uh, it was a real shame because he was like a he was like a little brother to me, and you know. He used to stay at my house all the time, and I found it really difficult. So to, how, uh, did, how did you how did you find out? Well, because I noticed a pedal had got. We was going out to do a gig because our bass play, basically our bass player John, who I wrote with, had left the band for a bit because of drink, and he just needed a, he needed to sort himself out a bit, and. Uh, he he he'd been every time every time every time with him. It seemed that John was coming back with a new guitar. You know, he he'd, he'd amassed this collection of guitars that was in our storeroom, and because he wasn't around, because we had Baz from the Fratellis playing with us, um, he was he was just nicking all these guitars basically and selling them. And it was really it was a real shame. But the, he got caught through a pedal. Uh, one of Stu's spare pedals had gone. But the box had gone as well because I'm a bit of a nerd and I keep boxes for everything. Because when you if you need to flip them on eBay again at some point, right? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we in our storeroom there was all the gear, but there was all the boxes for everything. You know, just we just kept the you know the original schoolboy error he made, and, and he put it in. The, he took the box as well, so oh, then he we did. Right, he knew okay. that we hadn't. Uh, I knew then it hadn't been nicked at a gig, right? So yeah. I knew that basically he took it. It was it was it was definitely him, and over over time. Uh, one of my friends actually got him to admit it, and it was it was a real shame. You know, I say it with 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 a smile now, but it was really upsetting, man, because you 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 class the you know you we've gone through a lot together, and he was like a brother, and it was it was a real shame. And I was really good friends with his brother as well. I still am. I'm I'm doing a run with him on Sunday, and his brother, and it was a shame. But then I didn't really want to talk about it in the press. It did come out because John. Who he'd, he'd, he'd stolen all these guitars, you know, so it was like, it was fucking horrendous. It's probably a bit of a right? 
Well, he was gutted because these guitars, like, you know, when we was starting out, his dad had bought him this bass that was on every record. And, you know, because he, he used to play my bass guitar to start with. And he bought him this. And, you know, it's like going follow you, you know, like it's a big deal. Like yeah, this yeah. guitar, it was like, here you go, son. Go and follow your oh. dreams. And he, he sold that to like cash converts, about 200 quid. And it's just, it was, it was a real um, shame. But from that, I mean, everything happens for a reason doesn't it to a degree and we got Ash in and Ash has now been in the band longer than Matty was and um it was weird calling him Matty because I'm not I don't even say his name really I was going to say so you I call him, that the last time you spoke to him I've not yeah I've not spoken to him since I've since. not seen him either I don't I, I you know I, I don't I don't want to I feel I, I feel sorry for him you know and if it had been if it had been if it had been to do with something where he needed help, if, you know, it would have been our fault, but it wasn't. It was he was just a thief. Do you know what he's up to now? Have you, have you no, any I idea? I think he's. I don't know. No. Yeah. Well, it reminded Rick and I were talking about it earlier. It reminded uh, Rick said it reminds him of when um, Pete Doherty burgled Carl's flat and ended up in prison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't. Like we didn't take. We didn't take it there, and we just we got hit. Luckily, we had some money in in the account and. It, and he, he managed to kind of but you never it's like if you lend someone 20 quid when they give it you back you spend it you know yeah. so you wouldn't have spent it other, you know what I mean it's like that same we, we couldn't afford to replace all the guitars you took you know yeah, yeah, yeah. because you only get the value of um, you know half price basically they're irreplaceable you know these guitars we, we, we did an acoustic session the other day and we was like Oh, we need an acoustic bass, and it's it's gone. You know, but it had gone, and like we, we that happens regularly. Oh, we could do with that, and you know, little travel guitars and stuff. It, yeah. it, it, you know, it it's, took a lot. It's, yeah, and it, you know, you could say this sounds liable, and he could like, but but I've got it all on an email with him, and you know, so he he, he can't say shit really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's us. out there, right? So it's... well, and that's it. You know, it's it's a real it's 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 um it's a shame. I loved him, you know. And I, I I don't I, I say you know I. Act, you know, I did love him, and when someone that you love does something like that to you, man, it's pretty hard to deal with. It's a complete I mean? betrayal, isn't it? Yeah, it's of friendship and trust. And, it was pretty. Know. It was pretty intense. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That that is a bit. It's a long time ago, though. And Ash, Ash, who stepped in, he's he's, he's a far superior drummer, and uh, and a great lad. You know. Yeah, like you say, everything happens for a reason. So that's it, yeah. And another um, another member that left uh, was Martin Saunders. Um, how you know? You two were quite close in the sense of the sound and all that kind of stuff. What happened there? Very close. It's funny. It's it's well. He, you, you mentioned you interviewed Tom the other day. Yeah. He left because we did that tour with them. We did a tour with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was kind of a bit. He couldn't believe that we'd done it. Basically. Why not? Because he just didn't like the band, you know. And not as people, just didn't like the band. He just thought, like, what are we doing, you know? Why Why have we, you know? And it was all about the dough. We needed some money at the time, and we, we, we got offered this joint tour, and it paid well. And we was like, I was like, let's just do it, man. It'll be a good crack. But Sons was like, you know, this is fucking, this is, like, as bad as it gets, man. What are we doing? And I was like, well, you know, the shows were all right as well. But I kind of got what he was saying, you know. They were... They were very different, you know, they weren't like, they weren't the same as, you know, they were, they were, their dressing room was, you know, empty and they were putting their beer in the boot of their car and driving home, you know, and it was, it was, it wasn't like, you know, I, I, 
heard him on the podcast the other day saying that you know he was always drinking and that. And I, I, I'd never seen him. You know, the only time I saw him with a drink in his hand is when he walked out on stage and yeah, yeah. The, the rest of it was like it was straight in the car and, yeah, and that's and, it you never know home. what goes on behind closed doors do but you? that's but I, I I feel that that kind of is not how it it's not how it should be you know yeah well definitely not well do, do you still see that around I mean I know you said that if you play a gig now you go straight home and do you think the music industry as a whole we don't go straight home we just bit. go away we go away from the gig you know we right, go away okay, from the, if we're at a festival we just get out of there yeah. because that's just what we've learned is the best thing for us to do, you know. Yeah. Go, go, you know. Have you noticed other bands are doing that as well? I don't know. Like, I don't know what other bands do. I don't really, we don't really have that many, we've not really, for one, for whatever reason, we've not really made that many friends in the, in the industry, you know, and it's not that, like, but we just haven't, you know. I think a band like The Coral, we felt like some kind of kinship with, you know, that we liked, you know, we, we, we automatically got on with them as people but I felt that it was from the same stock and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. same same kind of yeah and what a great band you know we was like happy, you know like we you know we were big fans but other than that we, and the Claxons were good lads at the time other than that we didn't really you know knock about with band all my, all my friends that I met through being in a band were working in clothes and you know, in fashion as, in, as such. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds wanky, don't it? But yeah, <laughs> but that's what, but they, they were, that. I never really made friends in, the, you know, that were in bands. Could be a bit of a saving grace, really. I don't, it's, it's a, it's an interesting industry, right? I think you just got to do your thing, haven't you? Because, you, you know, they, they were, and, and we, like, we never, I know I've just said that about the enemy, but that's just the truth about Saunders, why, why he kind of, he never wrote with us again after that tour, you know, he was, that was him done, like, yeah. Um, but we also never, I never, for want of a better, better term, but I never cunted off any bands in the press. You know, you can't, you won't find like one quote of me. And the enemy used to phone me up any interview. They would, what do you think of Black Party? What do you think of these? What do you think of Kasabian? What do you think? And I'd never say anything because it's not, you know, who am I to say? If some, and I've said this loads, but if someone sits in their bedroom and buzzes off that tune, what, what the fuck do I care? That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The same as if someone buzzes off our band, you know, it's beautiful, but it's not for everyone. And that's, again, that's the, why it's impossible when someone calls you Britain's best new band, that, you, you people are going to be slightly straight away because, like, you're not. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you can't be, because there is no, because for one person, you know. But people listen. Different so strokes for different folks and all that. I think it's a, the, the media landscape is interesting now because there isn't that one, you know, the enemy exists still, but it doesn't really exist in the way it used to exist. We've got things like, you know, podcasts where people can come on. And I, I actually love, I'm biased because I do a podcast, but I think it's a great way for people to oh. actually be straightforward, completely honest, and we're not, you know, don't twist anything. Podcasts, sadly, I only listen to. But I, 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 they're kind of fucking up my uh, head because I don't listen to music as much anymore. Oh really? I literally just listen to podcasts no in the day because. Um, yeah, I love it. But that's love what pe- that's that's the way it's going. People do. It's fun. It's just it's much better to hear it from the person. You know, it's better to hear the person fr- from their point of view. I've never, to I've never moaned about the enemy because at the end of the, they put a load of money in my pocket. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they that by saying what they said. You know, obviously they're going to switch because they, you know, I didn't become a smackhead. I didn't get locked up. I didn't do the things that I didn't start dating some modeling. You know, because I didn't do the things that they'd have 
liked me to, and I didn't completely like implode in front of them. you know I didn't like completely fuck up in front of them basically and just be like you know it's boring isn't it it's yeah. a bit dull it's a bit like, like it's like I'm a bit bad doesn't sell copies and it? because I won't say anything about so and so because you meet them when I say we haven't got that many friends I mean actual friends in industry but everyone you meet they're all doing the same thing lovely lads you know yeah. always used to ask us back because they've been watching mm-hmm. thinking lovely lads you know yeah. I can't say a bad word and they're killing it so what like yeah. who am I to say do you know band that's around, still around going like strong. lovely lovely lads as well you know so it's like but it would have been easy for me to say ah oh, we think they're fucking shit do you know what I mean or whatever and it, but you know, when you bump into them then you've got to be like oh exactly. How sorry man do you know what I mean it's you like it's a small world isn't it it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> but on that so um just kind of going back on to how that uh, Martin leaving's affected your sound with the band dynamic. Did you did you ever consider splitting or, or renaming or doing something a bit different? We, every record we think of doing it as a different project. Right. Like every oh, really? like literally every record from the second record onwards. So, you know we we were like, you know, is the name too you know tainted, tarred, tarred with a you know a certain brush that you like? Fuck, we need to but like. It, it would be the honest answer to that is we'd be starting again, and I wasn't really willing to drop down to playing pubs again, which yeah. makes me sound like a bit of a you know, like I didn't want to, like, not a true music, you know, I don't, I just didn't want to play small, ro- small rooms again and, and start again. And maybe it would have been the right thing to do, but we had a fan base and we had this vehicle, we had this, you know, we could go out to her, we could earn some money, we could have a laugh, you yeah. know, we could do what we wanted to do, so it's like. And the albums were strong, you know, the third album, we were like, it's a twang record, and then the fourth record had the same question, you know, the same thing, should we do something different? Maybe the fourth record should have been a different project, to be honest, because we were all in different, you know, different headspaces, so. But now we're back, and this record took five years, me and John sat in a room together, but, you know, a couple of times a week, once a week, a couple of times a week, and just slowly, realise that it's what we want to do you know it's, it's so that, so this is what you because I was, I was going to ask as well has it what have you been doing for the last five years so you've been making let's say for people who don't know and um, if you haven't heard yet the the new um, album is you know it's 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 you've kind of gone down a bit of a different route right so it's a bit more because I, I listened to it obviously um, on before I came to talk to you that's um, good I think it's a bit more, bit more commercial and a bit more soulful. And also, you know, I, I got a press release, and the thing that really intrigued me from the press release is it, it opens talking about the female vocalists. And I thought, yeah. you know, as a as a female reading the press release, it's like, what? Why would you even? Why would we even open it with that? But then I heard it, and I thought, ah, I understand now. So it makes a bit more, um, makes a bit more sense. And I think it's really good actually. But I want to know you. why you've done that. So the the vo- female vocalists. Um, Kat McTeague and Rio Hellier, great names. Yeah. Um, how did you find them? Why are you working with them? What do you think they add to it? Um, yeah, and talk me through it. Well, so when Saunders left, well, he kind of he carried on gigging with us. He, he left writing with us 2014, but he carried on gigging until 2017. So when he did finally say, "This is going to be my last." To, in between all that, me and John had already started writing, um, you know, the, what is now this record. But um, we were like, how are we going to replace him, you know? What are we going to do? 
because we we honestly we'd convinced him to keep doing the gig. He didn't want to do it, you know. And we was like, I oh, just do this one last tour because it'll be, it'll be fun, man. It's a payday. You're gonna, you know, it's gonna be good. And uh, but eventually, the 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 ten year anniversary tour is like, I'm out now. And I was like, was like, cool. So we we had this dilemma of of replacing him or not replacing him, and um, John Dawkins, who various artist management looks after Tom Grennan, and I'd said to him. I've always had the idea of getting a girl involved, you know, getting a girl singing with us, just because a lot of bands are like, often have female backing vocals, you know. So, uh, and he recommended them too, basically, because they worked with Grenon. And, and the rest is history. They've, they've yeah. come in and they, they've changed the vibes. Obviously, you know, you got a group of lads in the back of a van, you put two girls <laughs> in the van as well. It, it, it changes the vibe completely for the better as well. Yeah. It's like a much better... You know, because everyone has to tone their shit down, don't they? And uh, it's a much better vibe with them. They're really funny. They're really talented. And then we, and then I was like, well, let's get her on some tracks, you know. Let's get it's Cat really. It was like, let's get Cat on some tracks. And uh, yeah, and she did it, and she's cool. She, she. Well, it sounds it sounds really really great. I I really liked it, and it was it was a bit surprising. I wasn't expecting, you know, I've, I've read that there's female vocalists. I wasn't expecting the, the vocals to be so soulful. The first vocal you hear on the album's hers. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, and and it it's like yeah. really opens up with a with a punch. I think, and it's like, oh, this is the twang. What? Well, I'm we, really we did think that. Is... We did think that. You know, we we thought a lot about, you know, what we're going to release and. And there was obviously a question, oh, they're, what, what they're going to think when the first, but I was like, it's going to be weird, you know, it's, it's going to, at least it, it gives them something to like, be like, whoa, what's going yeah. on, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? it's a good thing. And uh, it's, been, it's been really good. That's the first track since, I would say since first album, or Barney Rubble probably, where, when I've been out lately, um, and I've bumped into fans of the band, they mentioned that track straight away. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we hadn't had that since Barney Rubble. So it's obviously connected with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was in the tube station, just like uh, Connor from Jaws, who's living down here now. I bumped into him today. And he mentioned that track straight, oh, really? you know, straight away. It, it, so it's it's definitely... It's the power of that one song, isn't it? The yep. power of one song. But, really, of one song. <laughs> but it's a powerful song but to it, open it, up an album with. It really does hit you. It's that important, you know. We realise we have to... There's no point if you haven't got that track, just putting another. That was kind of our thing. If we haven't got that hit, yeah. for want of a better... And I'm, I know it's not a hit. I'm, under, I'm not deluded. But, like, I, I feel if it got on radio, it would be. Yeah. You know, I really do. Or if it was sung by... A twenty-year-old dude. Do you know what I mean? You're trying to sell your song to a twenty-year-old dude. Well, we thought. I mean, all these things. All these things have gone through our head. You know, should we just write for other people? When our label dropped us, actually, they was, um, they was like, we want to put you in with Guy Chambers writing, and me and John like, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? We ain't doing that. And you know, you don't get asked again. Do you know that writing thing has never come? You know, yeah. Because we, at the time. We felt that we still had a place and still had, you know, something to say. So we turned it down. But yeah, it never. But then, obviously, since we've been like, oh, we got these trucks left over. Do you want? Do you want? And they're like, you know, I really, they don't answer. It. But yeah. that's what happens, man. You know, what? Once you're out, the it, it, 
it's it's like an exclusive club, isn't it? It's being a signed musician, do you know what I mean? And once you're out of the game a bit, it's pretty hard to get back in, you know. Hard when you la- when your label drop you, man, they stop answering your calls, you know. Right, yeah. When they want you, they they're phoning you every day, you know. And it's the same with management. It's the same with every. It's a pretty like you know. Tell me, it is. Excuse well, it's quite me. a fierce, fierce world, isn't it? There's a lot of competition, so they're probably there's probably you know more, more people out there that will play play ball, I guess. Yeah, and it is. It, it's down to that song. You've got you, you you know, one song can change change everything. Even you know, it just can change the game, and it. Yeah, yeah. And this album has been mixed by Neil Claxton. Um, he used to be Mint Royale. Love him. I, I I love um, what did he Don't say? Don't falter. His, his Twitter pro uh, Twitter profile. I can't remember what it says actually. Oh no, he says um, he's now a music vagrant according to his Twitter profile, which is absolutely hilarious. I love Neil. Neil, we recorded Jewelry Quarter with Youth in Granada at Killing Joke, and the session was scrapped because it was shit. And uh, and we came back and we ended up recording it with Neil. He'd done a two lovers mix. He'd done a Two Lovers remix. He's just, honestly, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's like the most beautiful nerd. He's just, <laughs> he's, and I think he really gets us, you know. I think he like, I think he just sits there like laughing, just think, uh, honestly, he looks at us like, you bunch of twats. But, he keeps, but he's worked <laughs> with us for years and, you know, on and off. He's, he's wonderful, man. He's, what he's kind of effect has soul. he had on your sound then? Has he... You well, know, he mixes. Has he, in, in, uh, has he um, influenced anything? Well, he produced Jewelry Quarter, so he definitely, you know, they're, the, they're your fifth member, aren't they? Your sixth member or whatever. Um, and then he mixed 1020, and then he didn't get involved with Neon Tang because he really liked where Rory had took it. And then he's mixed this record. So, I mean, if he spoke to John about it, he'd probably say that he hasn't done that much, but. For me, post production, he does a lot. He's he's brilliant, man. He's he really brings the songs out. He believes in us as well. I mean, with a song like Every Time, I sent him the demo of that, and he phoned me up at eight in the morning. He never phoned, you know. He was like, "What the fuck is this song with wow. with Cat's vocal up?" And he was like, "I want to take it." It didn't sound like it does now. Right. He was like, "I want to take it down this route." Are you cool with that? And I was like, "Do whatever you need to do. You know, do whatever you want to do." So, I mean. That song is, you know, it's definitely like 30%. However you want to look at it. I mean, John wrote that track. His demo, his home demo is amazing. The demo that we then done, or the recording that we've done with Gav at Magic Garden, in my opinion, sounds great. And Neil's took it in a completely different direction again. So it's um, it's a good song because it can break down to acoustic and sound good. It's just, it, I'm waffling, but Neil <laughs> is yeah. I can't. You know, no, I can't good. say enough about him. Everything, you, everything is. Is he is he going to continue to work with you then? I don't. Well, every time that we finish making a record, I I, I say I'll promise I'll never darken your door again, because I, I we've got a good relationship, but you know I definitely think he thinks fuck. Please fuck off. Just leave me alone. Leave I'm me. I'm sure al- he doesn't. Leave me alone for a bit, but I think secretly. He enjoys our nonsense. Yeah. And knows that it comes from a good place. Well, um, one thing that I found 
quite interesting is we found an old quote and I don't know if it was you or, or somebody within the band said we've got a rule not to play certain bands such as the Smiths and uh, the National in the studio it kind of ruins your day because we will never be as good as them do you not think that's a bit defeatist and do you not aspire to be no know, that's the if, truth what, that's the what, truth what do you what do you want out of this band like what why are you doing it I that that's the truth if you put the Smiths on in the studio unless you are completely fucking deluded <laughs> Which a lot of people are, by the way. You are not making a song as good as Cemetery Gates. You are just not. So I won't do it because it just makes me feel a bit shit. Inadequate. Inadequate. You might do what You never know. Well, no, because to some people, no, because the argument of that would be... (laughs) I'm not very good at singing my own praises. I know that's saying, but it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But the argument of that would be, well, yeah... contradict the humble one British every day because anyway the, the, the truth of it is that to some people a song like either way is that to them do you know what I mean and they would think that fine yeah yeah, yeah. but but the truth is well, ne- you, ne- you'll never be as good as the Smiths good good That's fine just wanted to clear That's that one up we like, and, the nas- and the National are just uh, you know incredible so have you ever met any of them? I have met the National. <laughs> uh, are you like a fanboy? I've no, no. But <laughs> so my old manager, who managed the editors, editors turd. I'll probably get it wrong, but I think they turned the states with them, uh, supporting them. Or the National supported editors in the UK. I don't. It's one of them. But anyway, so they got us guest list to watch them in two thousand seven. So I just look as soon as I'd heard Alligator, I was like, that's the best record I've ever heard. Do you know? Oh yeah. I was like, that is fucking and songs. We was like, this is insane. You yeah. Know? All the wine that was just constantly on. You know. I mean, fucking hell. It was um, oh, not in the studio. Just unbelievable record. Well, <laughs> um, so they got us guess this for this gig, and I ended up in their dressing room royally drunk because oh, no. I was so excited and I was like Matt because um, City Middle I was like City Middle's my favourite song I just fucking I was like let's go for a drink and he was like okay man I'm just going to the bus I'll be back in like and, and he just went out the room and then like the guitarist come past and I was like oh man you fucking I love you and he was like okay man I'm shit American accent but he was like okay man I'll, I'll, I'll be back I ended up in the dressing room smoking the the band had just come in the the, the, uh, the smoke and I was sat in their room smoking like honestly anyway it's got long story short none of them came back I was in the room even my fucking wife had gone home and oh, no. uh and then I woke up the next day in bed, and I kind of thought I kind of wouldn't want it any other way. They would, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they lyrically, he's so strange and beautiful and fragile. I'm kind of glad he just thought, "Piss off, you <laughs> little drunk brummy twat." And uh, yeah, I never, oh, I never saw him again. But that's my national story. Oh. I, I, and I am. Um, I, I adore them. They say you should never meet your heroes, though. Um, have you ever met anyone else? I mean... I don't really have that kind of feeling with... I didn't have that with them. I was just r- drunk. And well, I just you wanted, don't when you're drunk. <laughs> I wanted them to... Uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to just bore him about how much I love alligator. But I... I um, that is, it's not it's, bad. Do you it's know what? It's all good to listen to. It sends, it, sends a, it sends a bit of a shudder down me. But I, I kind of don't... I'm not that... 
I'm, I don't regret that night. Um, I've lost where I was. I love, I, I love them. Great. Well, okay. We've, we've, um, we've we, you know, you will never listen to the Smiths or National in the Studio. That's fine. Um, you are supporting Shed Seven on a upcoming tour. We aren't are. You? We are. So they've been, they've been another band who have really kind of endured the fickle music press, haven't they? But they, when you actually look at how many hits they had, it's fucking insane. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, the amount of top twenty singles they had is is ludicrous. Um, we played with them at Castlefield Bowl last year. They asked us to do this show with Reverend, actually. And uh, we had a good bond up with Reverend that day. Like, but um, I, I bored them to tease me this story. Because I've been with my wife uh, 20 years, which is fucking wow. weird, any, But anyway, like, it's not weird. That's amazing. I, I'm though. saying that like it's a bad thing, but like, it's not. It's, it's good. I've been with a, you know, I wouldn't be in a band. I wouldn't be, you know, I, I don't know what I'd fucking be without it. She, 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 she made things seem possible. But the when I met her, um, the first night, the first date we had, it was a. She said it was a birthday in like a week's time or something. And I was like, oh, okay. So I bought her shed seven tickets <laughs> for a month down the line, hoping that I'd still like be seeing her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I took. So like my second or third date with her was. Uh, a Shed 7 gig at the Civic and, and we're still together yeah so that must kids. be a bit surreal right Think so when know, I told him that story and I was telling him this story and I thought oh fucking hell this is such a cheesy story and um, they brought their fucking wives over and everything no going way. yeah tell him that story again tell him that and I was going oh so when uh, <laughs> you know that's fucking, a bit, so I, I assume know. she's going to be there on tour with you well she don't know she don't, like, she don't like the band she, she don't come and watch us anymore she thinks we're but she likes Shed 7, right? But um, I don't know if she even liked Shed 7, but that was my date. No, she did. She did. She was. She's cool. She's, um... oh, that's, that's wicked, though. 20 years. That's, you know, amazing. Yeah, man. Three kids. Congrats. She's... You know, it's a really lovely, it's a nice story. You don't hear that very often these days. We don't do you in no, this you really Tinder don't. world. No, you, you don't. Know what I, mean? I hate that. I really don't like it. And it's a shame, but I just, you know, when you've, when you've got something that's cool and... You might, you know, you should try and keep it working because grass, the grass is, they say the grass is greener, isn't it? And it never is, though. It, I think know, that's one of the most important things you can learn in life is the grass isn't always greener on your I side. I think, like, you know, it's kept me, uh, yeah, man, she's she's good for Sounds the brain. Sounds like a good, she's good for the brain. support. That's good. That's good. I'm sure she thinks I'm a bit of a cuck, to be honest. But <laughs> she's good. Don't we think our partners, actually, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Um, She's all right. <laughs> going back to um, kind of who people you've worked with, you've also worked with Mike Skinner in the past, and it seems like he's also preparing to return at the moment. Well, he's already he's he, he's he's touring. He's he's a, he's a ledge, isn't he? He yeah. is. He is. You've called him a well. You've called him a fucking geezer in the past. Um, <laughs> what do you love about him? Obviously, he's a fellow Brummie. I when he first come about, he was he was our band. You know, he was they were. They were he was writing. He was singing. He was chatting about our lives, and like he did, he changed. He changed the game. I was only talking about Skinner earlier today to someone, and he, you know, he changed the game basically. And when he did the remix of either way, I remember I was in a hotel in London, which is now the Ace, that hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I came downstairs in the morning with a very heavy head, and our manager went, "This remix has come through," and I didn't even know he was doing it, and. Uh, 
I heard Skinner singing over his way. Then my vocal, and it was just like, was like, fucking. I mean, was, I think we was doing a gig. Someone was, I think we was travelling to Brighton. And we just listened to that track. Uh, you know, on repeat. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like, such a moment. And then we shot this video, which wasn't, you know, that wasn't, that was kind of a little bit, he was a little bit standoffish with us. I think you can have this thing where you want someone to be your mate too much, though. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, okay. So you're not mates. It was like No, we never thing. become... I don't... I'm not... I sound like some like, weirdo. They're like, please be my friend, Michael, please. <laughs> but um, I think that we... I definitely wanted us to have like a bond up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which we did that night when we shot the video. It was good. And But, you know, you, you connect with people or you don't. Do you? And I think he... He got out of Birmingham... For a reason, you know, he didn't, you know. So, do you think you'll ever work together again, or? or? Uh, no, no. I, I, I respect him. I don't, you know. I, I, he, 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 he makes different music nowadays, don't he? I, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, I don't really know what. I'm not sure if I connect. You know, like that. I do like that. Open the till track, actually. But um, you know, you can't say nothing about Skinner Man. He's, he's there. Isn't he? Another thing I wanted to ask you is. Um, Another quote, actually, Martin's advice back in 2007, so this is going back quite a long time ago, and um, have a few vodkas and get on with it. And that seems to be... I love it, by <laughs> the way. Who said that? <laughs> uh, Martin's advice, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, well, that's what you've got to do, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, is that still your... Because, you know, you've heard, you've heard the last two episodes we've had on, and there's been a bit of a kind of... Um, discussion around mental health in the music music industry, and I think it probably has only really started to be talked about across multiple industries, especially the creative industries, where it can be pretty tough and, and take a bit of a toll on your mental health. And you know, if, if that's still what you think, great. But I wanted to know, kind of, you've been around fifteen no, years. How has it changed? You know, what what do you think mental health and wellness, and and you know, is 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 it something you've come across in yourself or, yeah, or I mean, many people? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I mean, you. You don't have to listen to my lyrics to to know that I'm permanently, you know, trying to get to grips with, you know, the morning, the, the night before and the morning after, you know. But, like, I do, it's, I find it hard to talk, talk about, one, because I've been lucky that I'm still in a stable relationship and I feel that, like, I don't, you know, one of my fears is, is if she left me, you know, I don't mean to say, oh, please don't leave. But like, you know, if, you know, that is something that you think about as a, you know, like what, would would I be all right on my own? Because I'm so used to like having people around and and I don't know. And then, but I do feel that what I would do is, I, you know, I'd, I wouldn't drink for a bit and I'd stay away from, you know, everything for a bit because whereas drink makes good times better, I think that drink, you know, it definitely makes the bad times worse. And I have got, you know, I don't want to come across too, because it's a, it's a touchy subject, isn't it? But I mean, I do, I do struggle when bands come back, you know, and they use it as their press angle, like, you know, I've been a bit, it's like, well, fucking stop doing the gear, stop drinking for a bit, you know. Yeah, your missus has left you and fucked your bass player. That's grim, you know, and that's messing with your head. But like, just... I don't know, but that's, but obviously if you're suffering from mental, you know, I, I'm a bit like, you know, I'm a very anxious person myself and I've, you know, I've, I've suffered from panic attacks all my life, but they are brought on by overindulgence, you know, and I've yeah. realised that and, you know, I do, 
It's a, it's a, it's a touchy because I don't want it. You know, I don't, I really don't want to offend anyone that is genuinely going through shit. You know, because I, you know, I feel for people, but for me, I can only speak from a personal point of view. And for me, drink causes all my problems. You know, yeah, and and it causes and and in my band, it's always any time there's a. You know, it's always to do with drink. Mm. Do you think there's um, more support for people now? You know, there's people. I think people. I think deal it's with better. I think it's great ways. that people can talk about it. So, why? Why it's so touchy? Because it's not all to do with drink. I'm, I'm only talking from a personal point yeah, of view. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You yeah. know, you look at footballers who've got everything, and they still suffer. From, you know, I've, and I really feel for that. And it's great that people can talk about it. But you asked me about this vodka and get on with it. That was kind of our thing, but that was also the reason why like I said earlier, like that, you know, we do these great shows and then just fucking just, you know, get the matches out and burn the bridges we're driving off and, you know, never get invited back. And it's like, it was always to do with drink, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I think you get older and it's so fragile. The brain, I think you're one trauma away from being completely fucked in the head. You know, like, like I'm not under no illusion that I'm, that something could happen, and I'm complete, you know, and I and I'll need the support network, and I'll, I, you know, and I'll be glad that you can openly talk about it, you know. Um. But as I say, what I would try and do is, is run, because run as in as in run. I run a lot. Running. I'm doing a half. Yeah, on, I'm doing it, a half marathon on Sunday, and I, I run a lot, and that seems to help. And the first couple of miles. I might be thinking all this nonsense, and by the end of it, I'm. It's like meditation. Isn't I it? feel like it's like med. Yeah, I feel like it comes in and goes out in a in a, in a clearer way. Yeah. I think that's really helped me. I mean, because I've had wobbles, you know, like with touring. I come back. I've come back from a tour, you know, and had real like you know wobbles, like. But the truth is, it's down to you've been caning it for. I've, I've been caning it for a month so and you're getting older and you're not bouncing back like you were and you know you've got to like I can only speak from my mental health you know course, I know that yeah. what causes me problems is is caning it you know yeah. and so yeah I try but it's good I, I think it sounds like you're aware of it as well like I think that's that's the first well, almost the hardest step I think with, with people isn't it is if you're aware of what causes you to be bad then you can be a bit more yeah I'm, yeah, yeah, you know. I'm yeah yeah I'm it's life's fragile man and at the moment things are good but I, I realise that it can turn it, it can I'm, I'm going to state in the obvious but it could flip on its head very quickly you know one phone you're one phone call away aren't you I'm, yeah. you know I write about that you know the fragility of relationships and just life in general you know you're one headache away from a fucking you know my mum when I was young had a, like a massive brain tumour and she's paralysed you know all down her left side and she's can't shut her left eye and this is you know this is like you know a long time ago and she's still with us but life is you know you're one headache away from it just being fucked but the thing where I realise how lucky I am is that she is still alive and still with us and yeah. one of my friend's wives mum had a brain tumour and died you know when she was young so I know this bit dark conversation but yeah, that yeah. would have completely if my mum had died when I was young I'd have 
I'd be complete. My head would be completely different. I'd be I know, a different person. I yeah, know I'd be completely different, yeah, and yeah, I'd yeah. be. I can only talk where I'm at, and yeah. But it is important, isn't it? I think I've got conversation anxiety about this with you right now. You know, really, I know yeah. that I'll be. I know that I try. I try and live in the. I try not to. You know, the questions about two thousand and seven. I try not to look back because that that is what could make me feel depressed because we did fuck up you know we did you would do things differently because it's hindsight isn't it we'd be yeah. millionaires you know you'd be that you'd be, as 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 Del Boy said you'd be millionaires do you know what I mean yeah 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 if you knew to do it that way you know like you look back now and go, oh, if we'd have made that move instead of that you know what I mean we'd be fucking that's life though isn't but it but that's life isn't it so I try not to heart back because that just makes you feel sad and I yeah. try not to worry too much about the future because you can't control that really so like you can by being nice to people because it does come back on you. Know? But like, I do try. I am try. I try and be mindful. I try and run. And I try and. I try and be nice to people to because I feel that that might keep me sane. But I do realize, maybe sane's the wrong way to to put it. I do realize that at the moment, I'm fortunate. I've got three healthy kids and a beautiful wife. And a house, and when I go to a bank and put my card in, it gives me money still. So that still. and that makes me fucking. You know, I'm in a good place, man, yeah. because there's people that can't haven't got that. And then if I was in that position, it would be a complete. You know, you got to. There needs to be like the resources there to help people. Like, Definitely. Well, I think know. there are, and that's why I think it's it's a positive step for you know. We didn't actually think this podcast would end up people talking so openly about, you know, their mental health in the music industry. But actually, it's I think, you know, knowing that we've talked to people, they've, they've really appreciated that it's a platform that people can, you know, use to just talk openly. And, you know, no, I think the thing is nobody's judging anybody. And it's, um, you know, it's... it's yeah, I, I can only talk from a band point of view. When you, when you gig, especially when you're really busy, when you come home, that... But it sounds like, oh, fucking boo-hoo, you know, you've just earned some money, you've just, you know, you've got that adulation, now you're home and you're sad, do you know what I mean, because you, you know, but like, you but do, it's chemical, that, it's, that post-tour blues for me is, is, is intense, but yeah. like for, for, you know, it's to heart back to the, you know, I know I'm waffling, but because I'm conscious, I don't want to say something that is going to, you know, offend people that are going through shit, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But for me personally, I just need to cut out the sh- cut out the shit because I I you know you, if I went to the doctor and said oh, I'm not feeling tip top, he's like, what have you been doing? Well, I drink fucking half a bottle of vodka every night and do a bit of that, you know, and then and then like, you know uh, go away, go away, come, <laughs> come back, back, come back when you dry, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. so that's that's yeah. my take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We can we can lighten the mood a bit now if you want because there are a couple of things on Twitter that um, came through because I I tweeted that I was coming to to talk to you today and I thought I'd give these two guys a bit of a shout out because they took the time to reply to my tweet and I was okay. asking if anyone's got any questions I don't know if you've seen them but um, for everyone who's listening they haven't so um, Lionel D um, and his uh, Twitter hash uh, Twitter handle is at um, Lee underscore Davies he said ask Phil is it that um, is it true that he once made a carton of Rabin in the last five hours? <laughs> what what is he on about? I know who that is. That's Lee. That he's one of he is one of my uh, 
bestest friends. Hello, Lee. <laughs> twat. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did. Me and Lee used to... Um, we had... A, he used to skate and I used to skate. And then we'd be... I used to skate with a different group of lads. And me and Lee became friends over our love of acid when we were kids. <laughs> and uh, we, we used to... Me and Lee used to do acid every Saturday without fail. For, wow. what, for what felt like for what felt like years, but it was probably only you know like it was probably only a good year of you know when when acid was great, but you know purple arms and strawberries and microduts and it was just. But he was who I and yeah, the one night I did, I, I did. It was it's a very strange job. I, was, we were young, we were fourteen. 14, 15, and it was, it was very, it was, um, sorry to talk about drugs in such a, because it, you know, because that, I mean, that's had an effect, that, that definitely had an effect on me, that kind of, but I loved acid, but you can't do, you know, after a certain year, after a certain age, you know, like when you're like, when you've got a little bit of like, life to think about, it's not for me. I wouldn't do one now. Like I would be petrified of doing a trip. But when <laughs> you're like fifteen, when you're doing like fifteen, don't give a fuck. It's like it's the best drug, man. But Just it's meant like to like completely so, alter your mindset, right? Yeah, so you're beautiful. I, not the same person. On my fifteenth birthday, I told I, I I had a bad trip, and I told my dad I was tripping on my fifteenth, and I was oh, with wow. Lee. I was with Lee that night, and it's such a funny <laughs> drug. But no, it's such a strange drug in the way. Look, he went, you fucking pair of twats. And as soon as he said that, I felt sweet again. I was oh, like, really? this is fucking brilliant. Oh, wow. And it was my 15th <laughs> birthday, and he was like, you pair of twats. And it was, and it was, it was brilliant to laugh. But, um... Well, so, yeah, thank, thanks for that, Lee. Sorry to talk about drugs in a good light like that, but, yeah, well, that's, that was Lee, that was our relationship, and I was best man at his wedding. He's, he's a lovely lad. Oh, so a bit of a red herring question, but I was—I literally saw that. I was like, "What is this all about?" What a strange, per- what a strange thing strange to text question. you. Um, and then another one um, is from a guy called Dale, and his handle is at double underscore. I'm, I'm assuming it says it's Reet S six, as in like R E Y T. It's going to be another one of my about? friends. The only people. No, well, it, def- it definitely isn't. Ask Phil if he remembers FaceTiming my mum when I met him at a sound check in Sheffield two years ago, and tell him thanks for letting me have all the tomatoes. Um, I don't remember that, and I don't remember him having the tomatoes. What I do, what we have been doing, which is really, it's been a really beautiful thing, is we have, you know, people into the sound checks, which feels, it seems like just nothing, but for them it's like quite interesting to like, because they come into the dressing room and have a beer with us, and you you realise it's like, and and it makes you, I remember the first time I got a guest list, it was for an editor's show. And I got this pass, and, and my manager at the time was like, it's free beer, with that pass. And I was like, really? And so I went up to the, the thing, and I was like, can I have um, a pint of, <laughs> sorry, I'm burping, because I'm drinking a Carlsberg. <laughs> um, I can have a pint of, uh, whatever, fucking Carlin or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, showed them the pass, and they and I was like, fuck, right. And I have two JB and Coke, too. <laughs> and it was just like that night. And that was with Lee, that was, night was Lee. And I remember just feeling like, this is the life. So, yeah. so to be able to give that, to people we, we do it every tour where we have like open sound checks almost like it's, you know like a bit of a competition and that's, it sounds really wanky but it's not it's really beautiful and these people come in they're properly fans of the band they want to kind of like see what's going on and 
that makes their that makes their life. It really does. If they're that big a fan, they, they, you it's know, be- it is really beautiful. You're like, involving them in in the in the journey, and it's a bit of a noise for the crew and everything because we get them up on stage <laughs> and have them on the drum kit and blah blah Brilliant. blah, and like you know do photos. So yeah, I'd have Facetimed. I I I. It's it, it's really um. It's really beautiful. So I don't remember him. So sorry, but I do know that we do that most shows, much to the crew's annoyance. They're probably hating it. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably best we do a little wrap up. Um, I know you've you've got probably a, a night of fun to get off into, but I want to ask you one more question before we go. Go on. Um, do you have a message for the Guardian journalist who said um, you'd be done within two albums? No, I don't. Do you know? What is that Alex Petridis? I actually don't know who it was. I don't know which journalist it was. I don't mind any of them. I've got I really don't hold any you know, any grudge. I I know where we went wrong and I know what we've done right, you know, and the band is still together because there's this tug of war of you know, the only reason why we're still doing good shows and still still about is because, you know, we is because we do fuck up and we do you know we, we it hasn't been plain sailing for us you know it's it, it's it can't be man music can't be like that you know it's not you know, it's not like a business I hate when you hear them talking about it like it's 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 fucking hard man it's hard to stay friends it's hard to stay together it's hard to to make something good you know, yeah. it's hard to even just at the very beginning to like show your friend this love song. You know, because most people would be like, "Fuck!" Me. But luckily, in John, I've got this friend that I've been able to like, you know, open up to and show him like my, you know, my weirdest thoughts. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And he's well, and he's that, and he's been like, "Yeah, man, let's let's fucking do this," you know. And same with with him with me and. I feel mad fortunate, man, that one, I met John, and two, that the the, the, the magazines and that early doors got on board because they meant, it meant we got a fucking million pound record deal and a million pound publishing deal, and they changed my life, you know, yeah, I yeah. bought a house, and you know what I mean, it made, you know, and, and my mum was like, what the fuck is going on, do you know yeah. what I mean, and it meant we could afford to like get, build a studio and you know, and keep writing and keep doing what we've we've been doing, and it's it's beautiful. And you know, the day we signed that record deal in you know in December two thousand and six, you know, like I was like, long may the blag continue, man. And it's we're still blagging it somehow. But as soon as I feel fake or I feel like you know that it's messing with my head a bit too much or it feels whatever, then I'll knock it on the head. And yeah. I promise, I promise that. And I, I, I mean that to the fans. I mean it to my wife. I mean it to, you know, to my friends outside the band. You know, like if if I feel like we're dragging it out and it's shit, then I am gonna knock it on the head, hundred percent. But at the moment, it, I feel that me and John have got a relationship where we've we, we've you know we've got something to write about, and that's and that's that he's got three kids. I've got three kids. You know, his. He's got a wife who thinks he's a twat. I've got a wife who thinks I'm a twat. It's, it's, there's, there's, uh, you know, enough. But they love you, obviously. I don't, I mean, I, there, there, there's enough to write about and there's, there's a friendship to, you know, to try and cement and to try and like, to 
do something together that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, that, and, that, like, and that's what we, we've done, really, you know, like, we've done something that's, that's pretty fucking cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to Thanks me. Thanks for speaking to us. It's been really nice. I'm really happy to have done it. I, uh, this is like my first ever podcast, so I'm yeah. really, uh, and I listen to him so much, so I'm, I'm happy, yeah. and I hope I haven't waffled too much. <laughs> no, well, the fans, sense. you know, it's it's for the fans. They, they, they will love to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, as it were, so. Nice um, one, mate. Cheers. Thank you. So yeah, well done, Sarah. I think that was a, a really uh, engaging and interesting interview there. And I think you said before that he was going to be a little bit humble, and that was definitely the thing I think that that came across for me. You know, um, uh, it's it's weird that I never interviewed the Twang back in the day. You know, I was kind of the semi-official enemy kind of lad rock correspondent whenever a lad rock band or what they deemed as kind of lad rock music, you know, as in doesn't sound like the National or uh, you know Deer Hunter or the actual stuff that I actually like behind the scenes. I would usually get sent to go and interview those bands. I suppose some of that's because I lived in the north as well, so I was in their kind of natural environment. But yeah, weirdly, I, I never crossed paths with the twang, but I do remember them when they emerged, and like everyone on the NME was talking about, have you heard this band, the twang? Because they, they sort of emerged out of nowhere from within a few weeks, they were kind of uh, on the cover. And I know, again, you talked about that kind of uh, meteoric rise. And yeah, that, that, that point you made earlier as well about they didn't want to slag off other bands. I mean, that was the one thing that I think if I had interviewed them, I would have definitely been charged with doing with going. These are these are you know gobby lads from the Midlands. Get them slagging everyone off. That'll be the pull quote. So it's interesting that that's not how he was. He was no. actually quite a sensitive guy. And he said that sensitive. I don't know. I don't know if he's sensitive or not. But he was. Um, he's definitely humble. I think that's probably the word I'd use to describe him. Um, but he. I, I really liked that actually. That he said that he, he he kind of admits that maybe their success or lack of success in the music press was down to the fact that he didn't just slag people off because he wouldn't do it. He said, you know, they used to call him all the time and he just wouldn't do it. And um, that is, you know, that is telling of the music press, isn't it? And the music industry and, and that's how, you know, it sells copies. You know, that's how we all work. That's how the news sells copies. So um, he didn't really play the game. Did that have an effect on them? Probably. Does he mind? Probably not. It's interesting you say that because uh, you know I had a, I was obviously chatting to Tom Clark from the, from the Enemy in that episode off air, and uh, one of the things I talked about was you know what the, the dynamic of the music press and kind of northern bands and the way I characterise it and I can say this as someone who worked on the inside for a number of years is that it was often a lot of public school boys at, at, in music magazines like Enemy or public school girls um, who kind of liked hanging out with with kind of north you know kind of what they perceived as working class. Um, sort of northern musicians and it was it's almost like it was fun for a while but they almost these bands sometimes almost existed to be kicked again you know I know the music press has this had, or had a reputation for build them up knock them down but I sometimes thought that the only reason they built these bands up and I again I you could argue I was as guilty of this as anyone else although I was usually on the side of a lot of these bands is it's almost like giving a counterpoint you can't have you can't put kind of shine a light on all this intelligent music over here unless you have a counterpoint that you can slag off, you know, and see also Reverend had this, you know, Pigeon Detectives have had this, the enemy had this. So, yeah, I, th I think that was perhaps how they were unfairly viewed at times. You know, you listen to, 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 to Phil speak there and he's, he's a really articulate, intelligent, thoughtful guy, you know. Definitely, definitely. Well, I think that bleeds into the mental health chat, doesn't it? I mean, there's a couple of things... Um, that we talked about, and I know he said in the interview that he's only talking about it from his perspective, which I think is the right thing to do, because I don't think you can categorise and uh, generalise that 
that that subject at all it's very subjective to the individual that's kind of going through through anything um but were the music pe- press responsible for for causing some of this um these mental health problems if you know you imagine you're in a band and you go you have a meteoric rise and then something somewhere goes wrong and all of a sudden everyone hates you you know it must be really hard to go through that kind of um that kind of experience in life but yeah I really enjoyed the chat with him about that and actually at that point you could see you know he kept saying he wasn't that comfortable with it and I could see from his kind of body movement that he wasn't he just didn't want to say the wrong thing to offend anybody and I think that's really he's obviously a very yeah as you say very intelligent guy like a a very kind of emotionally intelligent I think as well I got from him and um yeah no I I I, but I think it is good I think he he wanted to talk about it but he was just cautious of what he was saying and I just want to pick up on a point you said there about you know how the music press could affect people's mental health. And I think you know the stuff we talked about with with Tom and I guess sort of John McClure to a degree was more about personal insults. You know, particularly Tom, where he was. I'm not even going to repeat some of the insults that he talked about. But, you know, really cutting stuff with the twang. I don't think it was ever that. No one ever kind of t- took the Mickey out of them, kind of physically or anything like that. It was more the creative side. You know, saying that they you know they were you know lad rock sludge and stuff like that. And you, but but I think that that's that's an interesting thing that I've been reflecting on that you know I can't sit here as some angel who didn't trash bands albums you know and I think when you're a music journalist your number one priority is the readers if you hear a if you have a good album you see it as your duty to tell everyone this is great you should be listening to this and I'm still like this now if I hear a good album I'm telling everyone around me you've got to go and listen to this this is factually good right <laughs> but when it, but when some go. but when something isn't good you know the way that we, I think collectively the hive mind of, a mu- of all the music journalists and I, I can't speak on behalf of everyone but this is certainly how I felt it's you owe it to the readers to tell them what to spend their £10 on. So if you're given an album to review, and I can think of plenty of albums that I gave three, two, zero maybe in some cases, because you say, in my opinion, this is factually bad. <laughs> but you know, I guess at the time I didn't really think or consider you know, what could be the kind of um, the effect of that on a band's mental health? It's not, not what crosses your mind, you well, know? Well, it's not. I mean, it might not have been at that time, but it probably is now. I think we're, we're in a really, um, I keep saying the word interesting, but I don't really know how else to describe woke? the... Are we in a woke? We're in a woke I mean, I world. Word, but woke. I don't like that. I don't even know what it means. I'm too old for that. Um, but we're, we are going through a transitionary period, I think, culturally. Uh, and it's not just we're not just talking about the music industry we're talking about gen- life in general and, and the culture that we we're living and we're shaping now but um it will be interesting to see w- what happens as a result in multiple industries and i think the music industry is a key one there's a lot being talked about at the moment so what's going to change to make it all better and also another thing we talked about in the interview we touched on it briefly in the interview which was running and then when the recorder got turned off we had a bit more of a chat about it um because he's running a half marathon on sunday and i was like you know i've i've run marathons myself i've run half marathons not that you like to go on about it or anything you know <sighs> you know i think it's an achievement and i'll say you know he we were having a really good chat about it like he thinks it's such an achievement as well if you've ever done one um you'll you will understand what what kind of effect it has on your on your brain so i've it's no secret that i suffer from well have suffered from anxiety in in the past like quite badly actually at, um at times and running has been kind of a medicine for me in my my head um and you kind of you know it helps to get into a meditative state i can't never say that word meditative state um and running a marathon is 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 time to have you know four hours just under four in my case four hours of complete 
um, concentration on, on, on like a line in front of you that there's nothing else going on in your head apart from this kind of line that you're you're trying to reach the end of at the, at the end um, at the end of your run and he was kind of really animated actually I wish we'd have recorded it um, because he got so so animated and so excited about running because it's really helping him as well um, and it was just a really nice thing to ch- to ch- kind of chat through and I think we're seeing a lot of this um, bands you know I remember seeing Simon from Claxons he's done running marathons and things like that I mean Liam Gallagher's famous for, for running I don't think he's ever run a marathon but you know a lot like the recent film that was put out about him um, I think it's called As It Were or whatever it's called um, you know he goes running on Hampstead Heath he's kind of become famous for running you think about Liam Gallagher the the, the kind of rock and roll animal of excess you wouldn't think of, of going running at five in the morning well, there would we you? go well if you are listening and you are you do sometimes have a few too many drinks maybe you should try switching it for running and see how you get on and let us know so I think just to wrap up on on this episode and you alluded to this earlier on about you know mental health becoming a theme and it's not something that I think we're forcing artists and musicians to talk about it's it's something that they're kind of happy and open to to sort of discuss and it's naturally becoming part of the story of many of them that I think what we are going to do is work on kind of a future episode where we focus solely on kind of mental health in, in the music industry we're currently lining up guests won't give any names away in case they don't come off frankly but yeah um stay tuned for that because we we do think it's something that that um is of kind of real interest and and it's it's related to music but it digs a lot deeper than music doesn't it i think if you understand people's minds and the way they think you can actually better understand some of the creative process as well definitely well i think a lot of it has to do with the creative process so there's definitely much more to delve into on that one but um yeah thanks for listening to this week guys um as i said earlier we've had a, quite a few people talking to us on social media over the last week or so and, and we've really enjoyed that so if you want to get involved in the conversation um, on Twitter we are at Demo Tapes Pod and we are the same on Instagram as well um, we've also got our personal ones I am I'm Sarah Jane Kemp on Twitter and I am Sarah Jane Kemp on Instagram and Rick on Twitter is Rick underscore J underscore Martin and the thing to say actually about Twitter is if you are engaging with our content give us a follow because there's a lot more content uh, to, to, to come so we want to make sure that you see it first when it when it comes out definitely and we do have to ask um, if you do listen on iTunes please give us a five star rating because it does help us massively yeah it really does but yeah until next time thanks for listening and yeah we'll see you on the next episode see you later